silence. Logan put the top back on the vodka bottle. I'm sorry. She settled back against the sink. Go a week. A week. No problem. Could do that easy. Okay. He waited until she disappeared off to the bathroom to do her teeth, then opened the bottle again. Logan surfaced with a gasp. The duvet wrapped around his chest like a fist. Jesus. He struggled free and sat on the edge of the bed, shivering in the light of the clock radio. 4.21. Another happy night full of sand and severed heads. Only this time it had been Samantha buried out in the dunes. He turned and looked at her side of the bed. Empty again. Brilliant. Logan dragged himself through to the bathroom for a sulfurous pee. He stood there for a minute, trying to decide if he wanted to be sick or not. Mouth dry. Still a bit drunk. He coughed. Retched a little, then bent over and howched a purple and black spatter into the sink. Red wine and saliva, looking like a tumour on the white porcelain. Logan washed it away with a cold tap before splashing some water on his face. His cheek had taken on an angry purple and yellow tinge where Reuben had hit him. Top lips swollen, split and stinging. Could barely bend his right arm. Why did everything always have to be so screwed up? He knocked back a couple of paracetamol, then dumped the empty blister pack in the little stainless steel bin with all the blood-soaked toilet paper. He killed the bathroom light, hobbled back down the hall, eased the lounge door open and peered inside. Samantha was on the couch, stripy-socked feet sticking out from beneath the spare duvet. Logan shut the door as quietly as he could, then slouched through to the kitchen for a pint or two of water, trying to sabotage the coming hangover. The sink was still full of his clothes so he dragged everything out and stuffed them in the washing machine, then remembered the envelope full of cash in the trouser pocket. It was all damp and wrinkly, but the content seemed to have survived okay. All £3,760 of it. Could have used it to pay for the taxi instead of standing out in the rain like an idiot waiting for Samantha. Should have used it. Stupid not to. What did it really matter anyway, just because it came from wee Hamish Mowat? Six months now he'd been doing... favours for Aberdeen's biggest crime lord. Nothing illegal. He wasn't getting people off with murder, tampering with evidence or tipping wee Hamish off when there was a raid in his way, just acting on information, arresting rival drug dealers, shutting down someone else's brothel, a dog-fighting ring in Ellen, taking other players' pawns off the chessboard, pawns who needed locking up anyway. And not once had wee Hamish felt the need to hand over envelopes stuffed with cash to buy him. £3,760. Fuck. Logan let his head thunk against the kitchen cabinet. Eighteen months ago he'd been the golden boy of Grampian police, and now look at him. Everyone down the station thought he was a foul-tempered, alcoholic tosser. He'd just battered a mob enforcer half to death in the middle of King Street, and Aberdeen's biggest crime lord thought he should be on the payroll. Woohoo! Way to go. Fan. Fucking-tastic. A new personal low. Logan stacked all the notes together into one pile, wrapped it up in kitchen paper, then crept out into the hallway and hid the lot in the earring cupboard behind the hot water tank. It wasn't perfect, but it'd do till he figured something else out. The Black Range Rover winds its way slowly north. Newcastle to Edinburgh's the worst bit. The A1's a fucking disgrace, isn't it? 
121 miles of twisty tarmac with the occasional crawler lane and tiny patches of jeweled carriageway. Get stuck behind a caravan on this thing and you're screwed like. Not that it's a problem at 20 to 5 on a Saturday morning. Wipers going at a steady creek, keeping the snow confined to the edges of the windscreen. Winter Wonderland in Newcastle when they left. Six inches in places. They're making good time, even though Tony's taking it easy. iPod hooked into the huge car stereo, dribbling out that jazz stuff Julie likes so much. It's not too bad once you get used to it. She's asleep in the passenger seat, and Neil's curled up in the back with a coat draped over him like a blanket, mouth open, snoring in time with a bloke playing the saxophone. It's funny how even the most violent, dangerous bastards can look like little kids when they're asleep. The sat-nav says, 102 miles to Aberdeen. Tony keeps the needle at a steady 65. No speeding, nothing that would draw attention to them. Playing it cool, heading north through the snow. Bringing a whole shit heap of trouble with them. Lion bastards! A porcelain dog hit the faded wallpaper and became a starburst of pale shards. All of it! Richard Knox grabbed a ballerina from the mantelpiece and sent it crashing into the far wall. Face flushed, teeth bared, spittle flying from his lips. Bloody lies! Jesus, Richard, calm down! A large woman, one of Knox's minders from Sacro, was crouching behind the sofa, popping her head up over the dusty fabric, then ducking down again as a shire horse turned into porcelain shrapnel. They've no right! Logan froze on the threshold, head pounding. What the hell's going on here? Knox snatched a Scotty dog from the mantelpiece and drew his arm back to send it flying. Logan stepped forward and grabbed it off of him. All right, that's enough. Knox span around, eyes wide and shiny, lips twitching across his gritted teeth. Give it back! Constable Guthrie! Guthrie bumbled into the living room, clutching greasy paper bags from the bakers they stopped at on the way over here a wadge of flaky pastry in his other hand. What? Lion! Knox's eyes darted left, then right. Then he snatched up a fishing teddy bear and sent that flying instead. Bastards! The constable dumped his baked goods on the ancient couch and grabbed Knox's arm, twisting it up behind his back, then slamming him into the wall. Behave yourself! Knox struggled, screaming abuse. Guthrie glanced over at Logan and got the nod. He pulled Knox back a couple of feet, then rammed him forward again, making the photos above the mantelpiece rattle. Ah, get off us! You want another one? Knox didn't reply, but he did keep wriggling, so Guthrie introduced him to the wallpaper again. This time, the struggling stopped. You want the handcuffs? Silence. Okay. The constable let go and stepped back. Knox staggered towards one of the cat-shredded armchairs and collapsed into it rubbing his wrist and staring at the dead television. Liars! The woman crept around from behind the sofa. Thanks. There were little flecks of white china in her hair. Logan pulled out his notebook. Richard Knox, I am arresting you for assault. You do not have to say anything, but if you fail to mention, I didn't assault anyone! He kept his eyes on the ghosts in the TV screen. Logan glanced at the woman, raised his eyebrows. She shook her head. Didn't touch me. Where's your partner? Thought there were supposed to be two of you. Knox shifted in his seat, muttering. Got me rights. Harry's stuck in the bog. Had a dodgy chicken chow mein last night. I was going to send him home if he doesn't get any better. 
Logan looked around at the wreckage, then rubbed at his gritty eyes. You want to tell me what the hell this was about, then? She pointed at a tattered copy of the Aberdeen Examiner, lying against the skirting board. Half the pages were sprawled across the carpet, but the lead story was clearly visible from where Logan stood. Sex beast strikes fear into community. The photo of Knox was more up-to-date than the last one the papers used. Someone had been digging. Logan bent down and picked up the front page, letting the rest of it fall back to the floor. Exclusive by Colin Miller Everyone knows a leopard can't change his spots. Once a dangerous animal, always a dangerous animal. But the people of Aberdeenshire are being expected to believe that convicted serial rapist Richard Knox can live amongst them without posing a serious risk to the population. Knox, 39, a vicious sexual predator, served eight years in a high-security prison for the brutal abduction and rape of Newcastle grandfather William Bruckley, 68. It wasn't exactly the journalist's best work. Sensationalist, melodramatic, and obviously designed to whip up outrage and panic. Further in, it got even worse, with quotes from people in Newcastle and William Bruckley's grandchildren. Teenagers more than happy to share the family's anger. Castration's too good for him. They should bring back hanging. That kind of thing. And in Richard Knox's case, they were probably right. Logan folded the page up, then dumped it on the coffee table. Knox was clutching his carrier bag again, the thing rustling as he rocked back and forth in his seat, muttering, It's all lies. All of it? Convicted serial rapist, he scowled at the TV. Was convicted of one rape, one, not a series. Served me time, found God, didn't I? Well, Logan looked at the chunky woman from Sacro. Margaret? Marge? Something like that. Maybe you'd be better off trying your luck somewhere else. We could organise a midnight flit. Get you somewhere further away where they don't know you. Devon. Cornwall. Something like that. Get you the hell out of Aberdeen before you cause any more trouble, you creepy little bastard. This is me home! Knox drew back his foot, then lashed out, crashing his heel into the TV screen, shattering it, sending the whole thing clattering over backwards to the floor. Marge slash Margaret flinched. Swore. P.C. Guthrie loomed over Knox. All right, on your feet. The man didn't even look up at him, just sat there clutching his foot. What are you going to do, like, arrest me for smashing my own telly? Bloody thing didn't work anyway. The constable flopped his hand about for a moment. Sarge? Logan shrugged. He's got a point. Knox closed his eyes, lips pinched tight, breathing in and out through his pointy nose, then stood and knelt in front of the ancient electric fire, head bowed, hands clasped together, mouth moving silently. They left them to it. Tell you. Margaret, slash Marge, filled a new-looking kettle in the sink and plugged it in. He's really starting to creep me out. Logan shrugged. Sex offenders can be a bit... Trust me, I know sex offenders. Did six years as a prison officer in Peterhead. I've seen every flavour of mong and stot you can think of, and none of them weirded me out like Knox. She picked four mugs off the draining board and sniffed them, then plopped a teabag in each. There was this one guy done for snatching women off the streets. Blondes, usually. Bundled them into the back of an old van with the windows blacked out. Liked to rape them while he burned them with a cigarette lighter. Apparently nipples were a particular favourite. Never looked you in the eye when he spoke, always stared right here. She pointed at her not inconsiderable breasts. You just knew he was thinking about it. The smell, the sizzling sound, the screams. Christ. 
Yeah, and even he wasn't as creepy as Knox. She rinsed a teaspoon under the tap, peering at Logan out of the corner of her eye. So, what happened to your face? <laughs>